Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My, what a difference a couple days makes for the Tampa Bay Rays. They beat the Boston Red Sox 1-0 on Thursday night to move back into first place in the American League East, a half game ahead of the Boston Red Sox. They take the series two games to one against the Red Sox as they win the rubber match on Thursday night. It was getting a little interesting. The Rays were being no hit through, what, seven, into the eighth inning in this game? Matter of fact, the pitcher Nick Pavetta for Boston was pulled from the game in the seventh inning with a no-hitter. He was at 100 pitches. Uh, and they pulled him for Taylor, who got out of the inning. Uh, the Rays themselves got really good. Michael Waka surprised after his last start in Seattle, which was not good. He pitches five shutout innings, gives up one hit, just two walks, seven strikeouts in his five innings of work. Uh, Drew Rasmussen was good. Whistler was good. Fire Eisen. Ryan Thompson got in a little trouble in the seventh inning, but helped out by the good Rays defense. Matter of fact, Kevin Kiermeyer, a bomb from center field, comes in. Uh, plays the Hunter Renfro's on second. Uh, he doesn't break immediately on the play in case it was going to be caught. Went back towards second and then took off for third and then rounded third for home. Kevin Kiermeyer, a 94.7 mile an hour uh, throw from center field that went over 180 feet and nailed Hunter Renfro at the plate to keep that game scoreless. In that same inning, uh, Christian Vasquez wandered a little too far off second base and uh, Francisco Mejia picked him off a of second base. So the Rays got out of trouble in the seventh inning. They end up on a walk-off wild pitch as uh, Manuel Margot gets on in the ninth inning, steals second, but the throw gets by the second baseman there, so he gets on to third, and then the walk-off wild pitch. So the Rays uh, bouncing back quite nicely. Uh, as they, Like I said, they win the last two against the Red Sox, now back in first place in the American League East by a half game. But they did get some bad news as Taylor Walls uh, missed Wednesday's game. He has now been placed on the IL uh, with some uh, tendonitis in that. So they say it's more precautionary. Maybe he was only going to miss a few days, but uh, better to be safe than sorry at this point. Instead of rushing him back, they went ahead and put him on the 10-day IL, which is why Drew Rasmussen was up pitching, and he pitched tonight. So uh, the Rays uh, take care of business against the Red Sox. Snap that seven-game losing streak now with uh, two wins in a row against a good Boston team, uh, and they shut them out. I mean, this was a well-pitched game, um, you know, 0-0 going to the ninth inning. Um, you had some defensive plays, and, and the pitching was really good. Uh, it was one of the more entertaining 0-0 games you're going to get, too. So, uh, But the Rays do very well. They get the win. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier, the defensive hero. Manuel Margot scores the run on the wild pitch from off their closer, Matt Barnes. So the Anaheim Angels now come to town to the Trop this weekend. Joe Madden will make a return to Tropicana Field as the manager of the Angels. No Shohei Otani, though, to pitch in this series as he pitched on Wednesday. So presumably, though, you will get to see him hit if you're heading out to Tropicana Field this weekend. So uh, games, what, Friday night, tonight uh, at 7, and then I think at 4 o'clock Saturday, traditional one o'clock on Sunday for the Rays. Meanwhile, in the NFL, the Bucks announced that uh, training camp will open July 25th. 
Uh, and there'll be limited access to training camp. Basically, it will not be open to the public. They're going to allow about 2,000 spectators for all 16 of the practices. It's going to be reserved mostly for suite members, season ticket members, some corporate sponsors, et cetera, et cetera. So no open practices this year for the Buccaneers, but training camp will open a month from today. That's right. We are one month from training camp opening in the, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, your defending Super Bowl champions. Also, uh, Brian Ford, the COO of the Buccaneers, had announced on uh, Thursday morning that uh, throwback uniforms, the Bucks have not been able to use the creamsicle throwback uniforms because of the helmets. The NFL has a rule that you can only use one helmet per player for a year, so you can't have multiple helmets. Well, the Bucks helmets are pewter. You can't make them the white helmet to put the creamsicle uniforms on. So they have not been able to do throwback. Brian Ford on Thursday morning announced that that the Bucks having throwback uniforms and creamsicles, it's not a matter of if but when it's going to happen. And he said sooner than later. Well, later Thursday afternoon, the NFL announces that beginning in the 2022 season, teams can go can have more than one helmet now to use. So the Bucks. Uh, we assume will, in, in every indication, they will have a throwback uniform game in 2022. Tom Brady, of course, still under contract, so you may get to see Tom Brady in the creamsicle Bucks uniforms next season. And if you missed the late show with James Corden on, uh, I believe it was Wednesday night, Tom Brady was on with him, uh, singing tunes from Hamilton, playing some golf, getting ready for his match with Phil Mickelson. As a matter of fact, they talked to Phil Mickelson during the the segment, a very funny segment. It lasts about uh, 12 minutes. You can find it on YouTube, or I'm sure if you go to the Late Show with James Corden's page, you'll find it there. But Tom Brady was a guest. It's a very funny bit if you haven't seen it, so uh, I would recommend uh, all Brady fans to check that out. Earlier today, I had a chance to speak with Eduardo Encina as tonight, the best words in sports, or so they say. If you win the game, it's, you know, game sevens are fantastic if you win the game. I mean, ever look, if you're impartial to a game, game sevens are phenomenal to watch. You know, now we're not going to get it in the other final. We found out that the Montreal Canadiens, the worst the team with the worst record heading into the Stanley Cup playoffs, have now won 12 games and are heading to the Stanley Cup final as they knocked out the Vegas Golden Knights in six games. Uh, they won uh, three to two in overtime on Thursday night to wrap up that series. The Montreal Canadiens have not given up a power play goal since game four of the previous series against Toronto. That's 30 straight kills on the penalty kill for them. Uh, they are 11-0 and when scoring two goals or more in the playoffs. Think about that. No team has beat them 3-2. to two. If they've scored two goals, they win. Carey Price has been extremely effective in this playoffs. Very good. I mean... You know, you know. Several years ago, it was a consensus he was the best goalie in the planet. Well, he's playing like it in the playoffs right now. So, uh, if the Lightning are so lucky to advance, which is a popular phrase, if they're so lucky to advance tonight after Game Seven, their opponent would be the Montreal Canadiens and Carey Price. So, it would be a very interesting matchup: Vasilevsky versus Carey Price. And uh, Montreal plays a style very similar to the Islanders: um, very much patient, waiting, very well structured defensively. Um, and, and they do a tremendous job of capitalizing on turnovers. Vegas was making turnover after turnover in that series, and it seemed like Montreal would put it in the back of the net every time. So um, we do know one half of the Stanley Cup final, the Montreal Canadiens. The Canadian team, by the way, 
has not won the Stanley Cup since 1993, and that was the Canadians. So uh, it's been how many years ago is that? 28 years since a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup. It's, it's been 10 years since a Canadian team was in the Stanley Cup final. That was the Vancouver Canucks back in 2011. So uh, Canada is going nuts. If you saw the crowd outside the Bell Center in Montreal, if you've seen any of the highlights, they only had like what 3,000 or 3,500 in the building, but. Who knows how many thousands were outside um, as Montreal makes the Stanley Cup final. Uh, like I said, they were actually they had the 18th. There were 16 teams make the Stanley Cup playoffs. They were 18th in record this year in the NHL. Uh, but their division, they were able to, to get in as the four seed in the North Division with Canada, and they knocked off uh, who they well they knocked off the the Maple Leafs. Uh, who was their first round opponent? Uh, knocked off the Maple Leafs, and then they knocked off Winnipeg, and now. The Vegas Golden Knights. So, but Game Seven tonight at Amelie Arena. It's the Lightning versus the Islanders. The winner goes on to the Stanley Cup Final against the Canadians. Again, the best. If you're an impartial observer, Game Sevens are phenomenal. If you're rooting for a team, that's extremely stressful and nervous. And and I'm sure Amelie Arena is going to be rocking tonight. But there's also going to be some nerves going on. Um, the Lightning have not been in this situation very much, as we discussed on last night's show. It's been three years since they've had a Game 7, which they lost to the Washington Capitals in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2018. They had a Game 7 five years ago against the Pittsburgh Penguins, which they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals Game 7. The last Game 7 they won was six years ago against the New York Rangers in New York. They won 2-0 against uh, Henrik Lundqvist and went on to the Stanley Cup Final that year, which they ended up losing to the Blackhawks in six games. But it's been six years since this team has won a Game 7. They've only been in two of them since then. So this team generally finishes series, you know, in five or six games generally. So um, this is a not uncharted territory, a new territory for them. But it, it's a situation they haven't been in a lot recently. Now, they're still 11-0, or if you count the play-in games last year as playoff games, and I guess officially they are, they're 12-0 in the last two seasons following a loss in the postseason. Of course, they lost game six in overtime to the Islanders. So if the Lightning uh, win tonight and, and advance to the Stanley Cup final, that'll make that 13-0 in the last two, two postseasons that they are following a loss, which is just absolutely incredible. And it says a lot about the team. It says a lot about their, their character, their, their, their self-examining uh, ability, their ability to focus, the coaching staff, getting them ready for those games. Um, you know, showing what they need to work on. Uh, you know, it, it's it, they. It, it, we talked about going into Game Five. I don't know what's going to happen in the game tonight, and I, I think the Lightning played pretty well on Wednesday night in Game Six. Not great, but they played pretty well. I know they'll have a better effort tonight. Now, it doesn't mean they'll win. You never know what's going to happen from goalies to officiating to bad puck bounces. You never know what's going to happen, particularly in a Game 7. It, you know, it can get a little tight. I think the teams are going to come out a little hesitant at first. Or hesitant's not the right word, but cautious, I think, is a better word. Um, you know, you don't want to be the one to make that mistake early on. You know, you want to get into the flow of the game. We don't know the health of Nikita Kucherov. Uh, on Thursday, Coach John Cooper didn't give any updates. My guess is we won't have any updates until game time tonight. I, I'm assuming it's going to be an optional practice on Friday morning. 
Maybe he skates, maybe he doesn't, but I don't think we're going to know whether Nikita Kucherov is in the lineup until tonight. But earlier today, I had a chance to catch up with, catch up with Eduardo Encina, who was in New York for Game 6. Of course, he'll be at Amelie Arena tonight for Game 7. Uh, if you've read his uh, coverage of the, all the playoffs here in the, on the Tampa Bay Times, um, all postseason long, of course. So I had a chance to catch up with him earlier to preview Game 7s. So here's that conversation. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, Eduardo Encina joins us now, freshly back from Long Island in the Nassau Coliseum, where possibly they played the last game ever in that arena on Wednesday night as the Islanders beat the Lightning 3-2 to two in overtime. And before we look ahead to tonight's Game 7, Eduardo, let's look back at Game 6. The Lightning early on lose Nikita Kucherov. Uh, he plays, what, one shift, 46 seconds. Yeah. Maybe a, a dirty or bad hit by, by Scott Mayfield there. But the Lightning do have a 2 nothing lead early or late in the second period, probably, what, seven minutes, I think, to go, seven and a half when they score that yeah. goal, after they defended a four-on-three, which turned into a five-on-three to a five-on-four, a long penalty kill that they capitalized on. But then they couldn't hold that lead, which is not common for this Lightning team. Yeah, I mean, th- this team has been great at, at holding you know third-period leads and, and, and pretty tight ones. You know, I think there's 37-1 and one, uh, this year. Uh, with a lead going into the third period. So very uncharacteristic of them. But, you know, I think there were a lot of things at play there. Obviously, I think I think they got a little bit out of their game a little bit in terms of, you know, putting pressure, trying to get in, into the, you know, offensive zone, you know, the four-checking game. I think some of those things kind of, uh, you know, I think they're playing a little bit defensively. They're playing, you know, not to lose a little bit. And, like I said, I mean, some of that stuff is, is has worked out for them in the long run. But, you know, when you're playing a desperate team, uh, like you said, in, in a situation where, uh, you know, the fans are going crazy and, uh, you know, it, it was it was definitely a different situation there. I mean, um, you know, they got the, the, the Eberle goal, uh, and I think that one really, you know, energized the crowd. And, you know, when they get that second goal, the one that ties it up, like, like five, five minutes left, you know, that's, you know, that's a shot that I don't know if Scott Mayfield makes, you know, <laughs> you know, another t- one more time if he shoots it you know 99 t- times after that I mean that would just a perfectly placed uh shot so um and then like I said then you know when you go to overtime it's kind of uh you know a little bit of a crapshoot there and obviously a turnover in the zone with uh I think Blake Coleman and uh, Anthony Bovillier had a you know basically a wide open shot there from the slot to win it so um one of those situations where you know you expect the Lightning to kind of pull these kind of games out because we've seen them do it so many times, but um, you know this team's been really good at uh, not being too high, not being too low. So, um, but you know, Game Seven's kind of a different breed; it's a different animal, and that's something that you know they really haven't uh, seen too much of uh, in the past few years, and haven't had that much success with in the past few years. So. Um, but yeah, yeah, just going back to the game, I just think they kind of got a lot, got a little out of sync and a little bit out of kind of their game plan there. So um, I think that'll be reminded to them 
uh, when they look over the game film and that, you know, going into, uh, you know, a third period with a lead, uh, you know, that, that, that that's, that that's not really the way to go. One of the things that, you know, we like to compare seasons or teams in that and last season, yeah. one of the themes of the, in the bubble was how much overtime they played and how successful they were in those overtime games. Yeah. Um, you know, of course the first game in the postseason last year went five overtimes, but beyond that, they played the most overtimes ever in a postseason. This year, they're zero and three in overtimes. Does that surprise you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like like you said, you saw, um, and you saw them kind of build last year in the postseason. You know, uh, excuse me. The more hockey that they played, you know, almost the stronger they got in some of those games. Obviously, that five overtime game against Columbus was you know, probably the, the best example of it. But I mean, the the, the the thing of that is just really clean play and you know, solid, strong defensive play in your own zone and you know, working from the from that way from the back forward, you know, and I think that was something that they did so well uh, in the bubble and one of the reasons why they won the Stanley Cup. But, um, you know, uh, I mean, also, too, I mean, don't discredit the fact that, you know, you didn't have to deal with some of these distractions of playing in a, in a, in a uh, you know, road arena or anything like that either. You know, I mean, it was about the hockey on the ice. So um, the, the atmosphere, the venue, stuff like that, you know, battling a, a crowd, something like that, they really didn't have to, they didn't have to deal with any of that stuff, but um, you know, so they could just concentrate on the hockey aspect of it. And you know, most on most nights, if it's just about that, I, I, I give the Lightning a good chance. But um, but it is definitely surprising, you know, zero and three, um, and and you know, some of these overtime sessions haven't been long. You know, it's just been I think it was sixty eight seconds uh, into the game last night uh, when the game scoring game winning goal was scored. So um, it's been some breakdowns a little bit early in overtime, which is definitely uncharacteristic for this team. One more question on Game 6, and officiating became a big storyline afterwards. Yeah. Steven Stamkos mentioned that the officials told him that the cross-check that Mayfield gave Kucherov wasn't malicious enough to be a penalty. John Cooper says, I didn't hear that, but that's funny because it's not in the rule book. It has to be malicious, which he's right. I did look right. it up in the rule book. Not once in the NHL rule book is the word malicious found. So what did you make of the officiating and the impact? I mean, on the Eberly goal, Kalorn was right. hooked or slashed or interfered with by Barzell before the Everly shot. Maybe he would have had a shot to block that. Uh, it, it seemed like, and I think the officiating overall in the series has been okay. It's been pretty good. There's been a game or two, uh, but right. I thought it kind of stood out in Game Six. Did you think the same? Yeah, well, I think you know when you go back and you look at the Mayfield hit, I think the big thing that that you know stands out to you is just that you know the referee's right there, you know, in, in plain view, you know, and in. You know, obviously, you know, that that hit was away from the puck, but, you know, he's right there. So, you know, if 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 you don't make that call there when it's right in front of you, you know, like the whole thing of like defending officials is, you know, they, you know, it's so fast. You don't have the benefit of, you know, going back. You've got to make a call, bang, bang, call, stuff like that. But, you know, a play like that where, you know, I mean, just going back and looking at it, you know, to me, I mean, that's. That, that's a that's an illegal hit that's worth a penalty. You know what I mean? I, I don't I don't I don't know where the argument is there. And like you said, I mean, you know, Stamco said about you know the wording of it, and you know there is no wording. And like you said, Cooper made very clear that the, you know that's not in the rule book that way. But um, I, I do think that uh, you know officiating's kind of taken a hit. I think a little bit this this postseason. I don't think it's it's been a huge problem with the, with the lightning in some of these series, but you know, we, we did have some games, you know, early on where, uh, you know, I, th- I think, you know, Cooper was talking about how, you know, felt like, you know, a certain team was getting a lot more 
uh, calls than they were and stuff like that. But um, I think I think the biggest thing is something like, you know, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I feel that you know if we protect quarterbacks and in in, uh, in football. You know, it's you know, does the NHL really want that? And John Romano touched on this in, in his column this morning and on Tampa Bay Times. Uh, on Tampa Bay.com and the Times is, you know, is this the way the league wants this? Is it, you know, your best players are limping off the uh, the ice, you know, after taking big hits like that, you know? Um, and, you know, that, that that's that's a hard question because, you know, this this is a game that they're trying to grow and they're trying to, you know, uh, you know, make a, a mass appeal to it. It's like you know, the, the idea of Nikita Kucherov coming off the ice and maybe not playing again this year um you know, because he took a, a bad hit uh and, and you know tried to grind through it and just couldn't do it anymore after thirty more seconds. Uh, you know, that that's yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean I, I think it's kind of up for discussion, but it doesn't doesn't really kind of stick in a crawl very well. But and especially for the lightning in a situation like this where um you know they, they put themselves in a in a good situation to, to make a run here and uh you know it, it, it's it's a it's a tough thing. But I mean obviously from, from the from the lightning's perspective it was very frustrating because it was that call, you know, Stamkos takes a, a hit, you know, at the end of the second second period. And, you know, there's no doubt that the, the Islanders are going to be a team that they're going to just toe that line a little bit between, you know, physicality and, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, going over that line. But, um, you know, I, I think you saw that last night. And, and you know, I think it affected those guys, too. You know, I think they got frustrated by it. And I think maybe that that's kind of the ultimate key is, like, if you can kind of, you know, the lightning don't get frustrated easily, but I think, you know, with some of that stuff they did last night. Well, we'll move on to game seven now. And the lightning haven't been in this situation very often as much as they've been through. And they've talked about how this core has, has seen everything and done everything. It's been three years since they've been in a game seven. It's been six years since they've won a game seven, which was in Madison square garden. They won that two nothing against the Rangers in the Eastern conference finals. Um, this is, I'm not going to say unfamiliar territory for this group, but it's not something they, they've been there often. Uh, it's on home ice. You've got Andre Vasilevsky behind you, but you may be without Nikita Kucherov. So break down how this game may shape out tonight. Yeah, like you said, there's, there's, this team has been through a lot. And, uh, you know, they've been through a lot of ups and downs. You know, they, they've, you know, as much as, as they've learned from winning, they've also learned from losing. And, uh, but, you know, over the past couple of years, you know, every series that they've ended, they've been able to end in six games or less. So, you know, Cooper was trying to make the anecdote that, you know, we, we, we've been here before because we've been able to have the opportunity to close out teams and we didn't. And then we did the next game, but it was never in this kind of pressure situation, like of a do or die game, game seven, at least over the past couple of years, these past, you know, dating back to last year's run. So it is different. You know, there's no doubt that, that it, it's certainly, certainly different. Than uh, you know, than kind of the, the situations he's talking about. Um, I think what he's talking about is kind of just the ability to bounce back, and that's obviously you know relevant. But um, you know, knowing that your season's on the line, um, the, the Lightning don't necessarily have a great track record of that recently. You know, I mean, they uh, you know in two thousand uh, was two thousand sixteen. You know, they lost to the Penguins two thousand eighteen to the Capitals. Um, the Capitals that was a series that they, you know they were up three two and. Uh, and lost the last two games. A team a game uh, against the Capitals team that was coached by Barry Trotz, uh, coaches the Islanders now. So um, there's some connections there. But uh, so you know, th- there's I, I think you know just from talking to some of the guys today, it's you know you just got to get back to what got you here, and that is um, you know being really aggressive on the forecheck and 
Uh, you know, I think I think Braden Point said uh, last night, you know, that maybe they, they get a little bit too flip happy, um, and then kind of get you know caught a little bit off guard when when a team that that can transition and, and, and as fast as the Islanders can, you know, all of a sudden they find themselves in you know in their own zone and they struggle to get out of it. So um, I, I think that that kind of tempo is going to be big. Um, you know, we have been saying the whole series that that first goal matters. You know, it did, really didn't yesterday. So that, that kind of goes out the window. I think all that stuff kind of goes out the window in Game 7. It's, it's about the team that's going to play the most disciplined game and, and kind of stick to their game plan. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think that's that's going to be kind of the deciding factor in, in, in this one because, uh, you know, it's there, there's everything is out there. You know, you just kind of leave it all out there because uh, you're playing as if there is uh, no tomorrow. John well, Cooper just, has just, always just said know, that home ice in the playoffs doesn't really matter until you get to a Game 7. Yeah, and that's why you want to have a better record in the regular season, so that game seven is on your home ice. But right. the Lightning actually have a better road record in the playoffs under yeah. John Cooper than they do at home. So, how does the the, the impact of that game seven being at home uh, impact them? As far as uh, you've mentioned the history, they lost game seven to the the Capitals at home. They did lose game seven to the Penguins in sixteen on the road. Uh, they won that game against the Rangers uh, on the road in, in 2015 in the Eastern Conference Finals. But how does the home ice, how will that impact this team tonight? Yeah, just from seeing this year, I, I think feel like home ice kind of adds a little bit of pressure to you. You know what I mean? You know, you're supposed to win on home ice. So you know, when things might you know go a little bit you know the, against the way you plan them, that, you know, then, then you're kind of chasing. It's, it's easy to get yourself caught chasing any game. Um, and, and when you're on the road, you're, you're not expected to. So... You know, I think there's probably fewer distractions. You guys are all together. It's a little bit more, you know, consolidated. Maybe you play even a more simpler game on the ice. It, you know, it's maybe easier to, to play that way on the road. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, but these guys are going to say, you know, we want to play in front of our fans. We want to win in front of our fans. You know, I do, do think that their fans, though, do know that they've seen this before, you know, at the same time. So, um, like I said, just going back to your other question, I mean, you know, I think a big factor here, and, and you know, from watching him, you know, skate off, it didn't look good. Um, but you know, whether you can expect you know Nikita Kucherov to come back, you know, he didn't get knocked out of the game in the Florida series, and he came back the next day. I, I didn't or the next game. I didn't think he would come back so quickly. That I mean, I think this looked like a, a worse injury. But you know, uh, you know, then the other guys have to step up. You know, Andre Palat's gonna have to step on the power play. You're gonna have to. Other guys are going to have to step up on that first line. You know, we saw a couple guys uh, stepping up there, including Anthony Sorelli. So, you know, um, you know, the, the depth's tested, but and, and you know, you can't replace Nikita Kucherov, right? But at the same time, um, they've, they've got to find a way. You know, and I know they've they've you know, what they won. You know, what was it thirty six games this year without Nikita Kucherov in the regular season? But um, there's no doubt that, that he was kind of the the engine that was that was running the car uh, throughout this postseason, you know, just when, and not even from scoring goals, just his ability to make plays. And, and even when he wasn't making plays, the fact that teams had to account for him um, was so valuable. So just him not being on the ice is really, really tough. And um, I think that's really kind of be one of the big things that, that they're going to have to overcome, um, especially after you learn to kind of depend on that, you learn that being there. Um, so, uh yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a tall task. You know, there's no doubt about it. And like I said, I think maybe a little bit of, of playing at home sometimes it, it you know, even at, ramps up the pressure even to another notch. 
Yeah, I've said all along that you know the value of Nikita Kucherov, who's one of the the most creative players on the ice in the NHL, if not the most, is that his presence on the ice makes Braden Point so much better, which is oh, why, absolutely. you know, particularly this season, Braden Point had such a, a spectacular postseason compared to his regular season, which was good, but he didn't have Nikita Kucherov on that line all year. And, and it, it, it forces the defense to account for two elite players on that line, not just one, and it makes him so much better. So right. uh, we hope that Nikita Kucherov will be able to skate tonight. If he doesn't go, do you think the Lightning slots in Matthew Joseph, or do they possibly go eleven and seven? If particularly if Eric Chernak could come back, yeah, I think that's kind of a big thing. Is like what 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 your blue line is going to look like if you can get Eric Chernak back? Then you know then you, you know maybe you do feel a little bit better. You know going eleven forwards, um, they've done that before. They've done that in the postseason before. Um, you know, just from from looking at guys, I mean, I haven't seen too much of Matthew Joseph even on the ice sometimes in. Uh, in practices and stuff like that, he would seem to be one of those guys you you think about. Um, but you know, I, th- I think at this point it's tough asking some asking a guy to come out and give you you know quality minutes when you know you haven't really done it in the past what three weeks or so. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he would seem to be the guy who would who would, who would fit in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they go eleven seven too. But that's just because because of, of, of how that blue line is right now. You know, um, they said we, Eric Chernak skated yesterday in the morning skate, took a couple laps and left the ice. So you know, sometimes when you see that, that's not a good sign. And obviously he was scratched last night. Um, and, you know, so I, I don't know. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they go 11-7. All right, well, uh, Game 7 tonight at Amelie Arena, 8 o'clock. I know I'll see you at the rink there, Eduardo, yeah. tonight. And uh, hopefully next week we're chatting again with the Lightning in the Stanley Cup Final. Yeah, anytime. Thanks a lot for having me, Steve. Well, it should be a good one tonight at Amelie Arena, Game 7, Lightning versus the Islanders. Puck drop will be probably about 8.15. It's on, uh, I believe it's on NBC Sports Network for television if you're watching it. So. Uh, it'll be an exciting game. I'm sure Emily Arena will be rocking, but it's going to be some nerves as well. Um, particularly if uh, the Islanders score the first goal, then it starts to get a little, uh, little, a little hairy. But the Lightning get a goal early, and uh, that the top may come off Emily Arena. So I'm looking forward to being there tonight. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, wherever you are watching the game or listening to it or following it, uh, enjoy it. Uh, these game sevens, while they're nerve wracking, are also special and exciting, and you never know what you're going to see in them. So the Rays tonight, uh, they uh, welcome the Angels to town. Joe Madden is back. Shohei Otani not going to pitch this series, but uh, presumably he'll be in the lineup to hit. Uh, so that game, seven o'clock tonight, four o'clock on Saturday, and one o'clock on Sunday. And again, we are one month away from Bucks training camp beginning. The Bucks announcing July 25th is when training camp will open. So football season, not that far away. It's hard to believe we're actually near the end of June at this point, June 25th. So normally this weekend uh, for the NHL particularly, this would be the NHL draft weekend. Um, so that's going to actually take place in about four weeks in July. So uh, everything's about a month behind for the NHL, the NBA as well. They're both about a month behind in their postseason. So normally the Stanley Cup would have wrapped up about two weeks ago. So. But anyway, um, for the vacationing Rick Stroud, I'm Steve Versnick. Uh, Have a great day, everybody. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.